simple example would be handing out your business card. If you've ever said to somebody, don't look at this, I'm going to be changing it, or I don't feel great. You can just tell when people don't feel great about that little touch point. And I think that that says so much about the business as a whole. And okay, if you're struggling to hand out your business card and you feel this, or you might even tell someone, don't judge me for this. What other things are you holding back on in your business? What other opportunities are you not applying for? Welcome to Shits Fest Part 2. Today I am sitting here with the magnificent Chelsea Tams. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Annie? You know, I'm dandy. Anytime I get to talk about marketing and or Shits Creek. So, but we're not talking about what I'm talking about today. We're talking about what you're talking about today. Chelsea, what do small business owners need to know today? I think the biggest thing that small business owners need to know today is really that your brand is one of the most important things, the important assets that you have, and something that you really need to focus on if you want to attract the right people and connect with your ideal clients and really get whatever it is that you're passionate about out into the world in a way that resonates with people. So what is a brand? I know a lot of people define branding very differently. And I also know, and you're a visual artist. I also know a lot of people will say, oh, I have a strong brand. My, I know my hex code or I have a nice font. What, what is a brand? Is it, is it visual images? Is it more than that? How do you define it? I define branding as all of those different touch points. So it's everything from your logo to those hex codes and the colors that you use to the fonts that you pick to any other visuals that you use, but also the way you show up as a business owner, the way that you interact with your customers, the services you provide, the space that you have, if you have one, how you show up. And it's really all those different things. It's really everything and the specific spin that you have on it as a business and what makes you unique. And there's a popular phrase around branding that your brand is what other people say when you're not in the room. So it's more Mm. of an experience and a feeling and an emotion tied to your business and your brand overall. And it's just all of those different things. And another common misconception is that, oh, I I don't have a brand. Everyone has a brand. Whether or not you're taking control over that brand and you're proactively telling people what it is that your brand stands for and cares about, or you're just letting it, leaving it up to whoever's engaging with your business, your brand does exist. And I'm definitely a huge advocate for people taking control of their branding and making sure that they are making something that they're proud of, that they're excited to put out into the world. And that does a great job of representing them and their quality of work. I think that's such a critically important step. Like we don't want to freak people out, but not choosing your brand elements is choosing to have your brand elements picked for you. Exactly. And when you think about it that way, it's kind of scary that anyone else, any one of your customers gets to define your brand. And I think that's where a strategist or a visual designer or anyone who's partnering with you to help build out that brand can really put you in a really great position to feel good about what you're putting out because you're in control and you can have the control if you take the time and spend the 
time, money, energy, and resources to building out that vision you have for yourself and your business. I think that's absolutely stunning because I love the way that you said that your brand is how you show up. A hundred percent. Your door opens because of the way that that signature of you, whatever it is, if it's a video of you, if it's an image of you, if it's a color, if it's a logo, whatever it may be, that goes into the room before we do quite often when we're marketing online, especially it precedes us. It's our first impression. And so, you know, taking the time to look at what you want that brand to reflect and who you want that brand to reach, it is really imperative and critical, but also it can evolve. Definitely. I think the evolution is actually one of the most important pieces that we miss as small business owners specifically, because we get caught up in doing what we love doing. And then we forget about growing our brand with our business. And I think that that's just such an important thing to think about is, does my brand actually reflect where I'm at in business today? I have so many clients that come to me ready for a rebrand. And sometimes they have the words to explain why they're ready, or sometimes they don't. But often I see that people are in need of a confidence boost or in need of a brand or visuals that really reflect where they're at in business now. So of course your brand can grow and evolve and develop. But I think to your point too, Annie, somebody could see any one of those pieces. That might be the only thing they see about your brand. So if you skimped off on the business cards and printed them and it doesn't have your logo really well represented and that's all someone ever sees that's all that they know about your brand. And you really want that to tie in with the website and to tie in with all these other elements and pieces so that when they do get this one brand touch point, that first introduction to your business, that they can go to your Instagram or they can go to your website or they can have a conversation with you and there's going to be consistency there. And I think that there's so many great brands we can look at that are just amazing examples of they know who they are. And then we as potential customers and consumers can identify if they're right for us. That's stunning because also what you touched on there is the confidence act, the confidence factor. Like this is a show about business legitimacy, right? And feeling legit. The confidence is not just garnering trust that you are a reputable, trustworthy, endearing business, right? A lot of the time you can look at your own brand. I've done it at my own brand elements on in periods of time where I feel less than confident. And it actually does remind me like, ooh, hey, hold on. Like, I have something going here. This is pretty snazzy. Like, my brand is very put together and it makes me feel calmer because it's a visual and and cohesive representation of all the work I've done. So it is kind of interesting how sometimes you can kind of get high on your own supply there when it comes to your brand, right? Like how has your own brand emotionally impacted you through your growth? I think, so I started my business back in 2016 and the brand was the first thing that I had. The logo was the first area I focused on because I'm a brand designer. So it really served as the foundation for me and the foundation of confidence in reaching out to that first client, reaching out to that first wholesale opportunity for art products that I have and connecting with people. And I think that that's really where the brand comes in to give you that confidence and that power to actually take advantage of opportunities. And there's a lot of times that we miss that opportunity because we don't identify that we're not feeling great about something. It's so hard to look internally at our brand and know if it's where we want it to be. But I always say to people, if you're, for example, a simple example would be 
handing out your business card. If you've ever said to somebody, don't look at this, I'm going to be changing it, or I don't feel great. You can just tell when people don't feel great about that little touch point. And I think that that says so much about the business as a whole. And okay, if you're struggling to hand out your business card and you feel this, or you might even tell someone, don't judge me for this. What other things are you holding back on in your business? What other opportunities are you not applying for and not connecting with simply because you don't feel ready or you feel like I need to fix this or I need this to be better before I'm at the stage where I can go forward and do these things. So I think you're totally right in that we can feel really good and it can empower us and motivate us when we have that piece in place. We can really go forth and do all these wonderful things as business owners. So for me, that's really what the brand I started with, how it empowered me to make decisions, take myself more seriously. That's something that's super hard as a business owner. Of course, we're going to feel imposter syndrome at times. But if we really invest in quality branding, if we really invest our own time into understanding our brand and building it up, we can go so much further in all these areas that we are in fact qualified to get into. But sometimes we just don't feel that confidence and that boost of I'm ready to take on this new challenge. Yes. Yes. Like, I'm not ready to package and deliver this beautiful product of mine. I'm still kind of hoping that people will just discover it and want it automatically. But it's like, no, no, you've put in the groundwork. You've built all the steps. It's time to send this thing out into the world. And I love that example you brought up of business cards because I'm in some really great networking communities and I love them. But there's two things that happen automatically in a non-COVID world. One of them is everybody introduces themselves and we also all pass our business cards to the left. Now, you will remember your first impression of me, but the part of me you take home is that business card. And if I had any qualms at all, any hesitation, any embarrassment about getting those cards out right before I go to introduce myself... Am I going to be fully confident in that introduction? No. Am I going to be as secure? No. Am I going to be as excited about getting, you know, little pieces of paper with my face on them into everybody's purse? No, I'm not. I'm not. So why do you think so many people, in addition to the investment of both time and money, because you can, you can, you know, cut the budget on on money a bit, but you really can't then cut the corner of time. Why do you think people are so hesitant to to dive fully into their branding? Because honestly, when it comes to my brand, I find it all thrilling and really quite fun. But I know a lot of people are very, very hesitant to make decisions and commit to them. Uh, especially our perfectionists and especially people going through imposter syndrome. Why do you think people are, why do you think branding has such a weird rap? I really think it comes down to business owners needing to wear so many hats that we are or are not qualified for. And we have different levels of how we feel in relation to each of those. So for some people, they don't focus as much on the accounting. And sometimes nobody knows about that. But I think where branding comes in and one is a big stressor is because it is the forward, outward facing part of your business. So it's so important to get that right because no one knows if I have my accounting in order unless I'm sending late payments or something to that effect. But that's a lot easier to hide that insecurity over whatever it is internally in your business. And we all have those insecurities in those moments where we're like, this isn't the strength of my business. And I think that's on one hand, a beautiful thing that you have a passion that lies in a specific area. But on the other hand, it presents a lot of challenges. So 
the struggle and the stress of I need to get this brand right. I think a lot of people know how important all these different elements are, branding being one. So there's a lot of pressure that's put onto that of getting it right. So sometimes that translates to freezing up and not knowing where to start. And I think that there's tons of resources out there to help you better understand your brand. And that's the first step. Yes, it can be a time investment or a financial investment, but it's also an investment of you just committing to the idea that it's one of the things you need to focus on in your business. And I think everyone needs to focus on it, not in the same way, but just in a way that you feel good about it. And that, I think, too, stepping back as a designer, sometimes I think, oh, I wouldn't have done the brand that way. But if they feel confident about it and it's helping them move forward in business and attract the right people, that's great. There's no need to change anything there. And I think that that sometimes gets a little muddled with different designers and ideas and all these things and opportunities flying around that we really just need to look and say, do I feel good about my brand? If yes, keep going forward, keep putting that time and energy in. And if the answer is no, you don't feel good about it, reach out to someone you trust. That can be a family member or friend to start the process or reach out to a professional designer if you're at that stage to level up and get excited about what this could look like and how they can really step in, help you better understand yourself and provide visuals and strategy to really get you in a position to be super excited and become an iconic brand, one that people reference, refer, and just get really excited about being part of that community. That's a perfect answer. Like you just took that question and you just crushed it. Like you just knocked that sucker out of the park and set up very beautifully. We just high-fived listeners. We just totally high-fived because that answer was that good. Um, You brought up the idea that branding is a really great way not only to bolster confidence, but to keep up appearances, right? Like if I'm not sending my late payments or if my website's not throwing up a million 404s, if I'm struggling under the surface, but my brand looks nice, it buys me some space and it boosts up my confidence. And I think that that is an absolutely perfect segue to talking about Canada's favorite little rural town. Shits Creek, because in Shits, we have an example of established businesses, rebranding businesses, and brand new businesses. So, Chelsea, what's up with Shits? I absolutely love this show, and I think it's a perfect example of branding for a plethora of reasons. But I'll just start by saying some of my favorite iconic pieces from the show that I think are so important to think of from a brand perspective kind of educate us as small business owners and just people watching to think about it through a new lens are the town itself. Schitt's Creek is so interesting and focused on just this entire small town that has so many quirks about it and such an interesting persona as a town. And if you think about it, towns can have brands too, and they can have these identities and they attract certain types of people. Their customers are their citizens that live in the town. And whether or not there's a good pairing there. Sometimes people need to move away because it's not a good fit. And it's kind of the same as our businesses, really thinking about making sure we're attracting the right people so we can build the right community around our business. I also think that the characters are extremely iconic. Even if you haven't watched the show yet, you've probably seen David's outfits or Moira's outfits and her wigs and just these iconic messages that each of the characters have. And I think that goes a long way to say there's so many different things that happen within the show in these beautiful characters that are created that really showcase to us what could a personal brand look like and how do we attract and create this brand that attracts our people. 
And I also want to make sure I mention that I think one of the best things that's come out of the show as a whole is Moira's identity that's really been claimed by the gay community. And she's really become such an icon. And it's amazing to see that. And I think the show in and of itself has so much branding within it, but then also how it kind of pierced through everything and pierced through all the other shows that we can watch on Netflix and every streaming service to really say there's some power behind the show and building that iconic of a community and a brand can actually do a ton of good for our society as a whole, for social justice, for just destigmatizing homophobia like dealing with homophobia and destigmatizing the relationships that are shown in these icons and characters. And it's just incredible to see that a show, a TV show that's popularized can have such an impact. And I think it all comes back to branding. Yeah, absolutely. And it also, you know, and what individuals behind contribute to the brand. Like I'm a big Christopher Guest girl. I'm a theater kid. Listeners of the podcast will know I grew up in Missouri. My life was basically waiting for Guffman. When I first heard about Shits, it was as a star vehicle for Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. And after Guffman and Mighty Wind and everything else, I was like, there's no way in hell I'm not watching this show because my attraction to those two is so strong. I have to have this. But to watch Catherine O'Hara reinvent herself again through shits like she reclaimed her spot through shits as she has done after home alone after beetlejuice after everything else but now she's this gay icon right now there's a whole parade of moiras and so it's so interesting that like i first watched the show because of my love of her and everything she stands for but look how shits has evolved her brand and now she's a much a must watch for people that know her from shits to carry on into the future. And I think that behind the scenes, although not visual, is a really gorgeous way to say, like, look, your brand is at its kernel, how you show up, what you're talking in the first place, but it can evolve and it can change and it can grow and it can bring in new groups of people around that common cause. So I freaking love that. What is one of your favorite uses of branding in Schitt's Creek? Yeah, I think when I think of like my favorite example of branding that happens right in the first episode, to not have too many spoilers here, is really thinking (laughs) about the menu design that happens at the cafe that they're sitting at with these obnoxiously large menus. And I will say as a designer, I pretty much hate those things just because it's such a bad experience, but also an iconic experience at the same time. So I'm not going to say that it's the worst thing ever. And if you're listening and you have those giant four page menus at your diner that you need to change them immediately, it's a brand in and of itself. But I think what's really interesting about that and what stands out and makes me kind of chuckle as I watch as a designer is just like they're making a commentary there. The show is saying that this is a typical small town diner. Look at these obnoxious menus. They have all those loud rustling sounds of hitting each other's menus because there's not even enough space for them to look at the menu individually. And I just think that that's such a fun commentary on that being a representation of the entire business. And that goes back to our conversation of these brand touch points. So when we go into the cafe, I don't even think they show the outside necessarily as much in that first scene, as much as they focus in on these menus. And that's one of our first introductions as a viewer of the show what does this say about the cafe that they're in? And honestly, it says so much. And I think that that's so fun. It so does. 
I mean, and I and you and I talked in our pre-chats about how I really love those menus, but everyone that goes to places that have them with me hates it because I will literally look at every single item on the menu. Like if I come in for pancakes and they have a steak sandwiches section, I have to look at every steak sandwich. I just have to, whether I came in for that or not. But I also think that menu is such a beautiful metaphor for the idea that with your brand, when you try to please everybody, you wind up pleasing nobody. Exactly. I think that I'm exactly the same as you, Annie. Look at every single menu item. And when we think about that holistically as an experience, that's not the best experience for ourselves because that's stressful. You went in knowing you wanted pancakes, but you got distracted. Everyone around you is like, Annie, hurry up, finish reading this menu. We want to order. We don't, it's all kind of the same because that's kind of the joke too. Like all of these ingredients are similar across all these items. You can't stock all these different things and actually make these different menu items. So there's a lot of similarity, which stresses out people like ourselves who need to check everything and make sure we're making the best decision. But also on the flip side, you can see much higher scale restaurants do the complete opposite. No substitutions. Here's a menu that's maybe one page, five items, even really high quality, really focused in here's what we do best. If you don't want this, go somewhere else. So it's just so interesting to compare the two and think Mm -hmm. about, okay, what are you getting in this one experience and what are you getting in the other? And I think the most important thing to note with branding is there's not a right or wrong answer. It's just about attracting the right person. There is someone who has no interest in going to that high upscale restaurant and having only five menu choices. They don't want that. They never want to go there. They want those four page menus to flip open, read all the options and pick their favorites. But on the flip side, there's people, and I think this is where the roses come in and it's comical, is they aren't used to that four page menu. They don't want all these options. They think the menus are sticky and disgusting and where are they? They're in this crazy little town and how did they get here? And I think that's the really interesting thing of branding is they're not the target market. So one, it's okay if you have this giant menu, but one, on the other hand, you're not attracting those people. They got in there kind of by the wrong circumstances. So I think that it's fine. It's just an interesting commentary on on their attraction to something or just being really repelled and like, this is not for me. Why are we here? And I think that just showcases branding in such a great light to say, it's okay if you get the wrong customer sometimes. And it's okay if they don't come back. They're not your people. But also, what are you doing that can get you the right people in the door and the right people once they're in the door to stay with you and keep purchasing and coming back and being like, this is what I love. This is what I'm here for. I adore that. I absolutely freaking adore that. We, in last week's shit episode, which is going to be so fun because that is Kelsey and shit's one and this is Chelsea and shit's two. Love it. Love that I do these things to myself. But one of the things I talked about with Kelsey was the idea of finding that center point of your voice and what your brand needs to hear from you and and, and from or what your audience needs to hear from you. And a glaring example in the latter seasons of shit um, on on branding mismatch for me is when David goes and works at the blouse barn. And so suddenly everything at the blouse bar and he wants to rebrand it because he thinks all of Jocelyn's clothes as like the quintessential avatar of blouse barn is like slutty and polyester and tacky. But then suddenly everything is all black and white, like David's clothes and swans. And it all just kind of goes to hell. How do you make sure 
that by having a strong brand, you're not actually alienating people in your community or your audience? Yeah, I think I think that's a great question. I think some level of alienation and like making sure you're either focusing or repelling people is actually good because you want to get narrowed down and focused on getting the right people there. I don't think that brands should try to be exclusive to the point where they're not including people who want to support their brand and be involved in their brand. But I think at the same time, you shouldn't, a lot of business owners have the fear of, well, if I make this logo a little too feminine, then men won't ever hire me. And that's half the population. And I won't be able to move forward in business. And I hear that. And I say, I think it sounds like one, let's talk about who your current customers are. And more oftentimes than not, it is female. So it makes sense to go all in on that and to really focus on that target market. It doesn't mean that you're not able to serve a male client. It just means that what you're outwardly putting into the world is focused on females. And that can be really great because you're attracting the right people. And it doesn't mean that you're saying other people can't come here and be part of your business and part of your brand and they can't purchase from you. It's just putting that foot forward to say, here's who we're trying to attract. And I think you brought up a great point too with David and coming in and trying to change someone's brand or business. That's not a great way of going about it because you might not have a great understanding of what they're trying to do. And I think as business owners, we go through a struggle like that sometimes too, when we're trying to change our audience or change what we're doing, our mission. And a lot of times people, their why doesn't change, but some of the ways that we get there and some of our outputs change. And that looks different for every business. So as someone who is hired to create branding for other businesses, what advice do you have for potential clients of your own or anyone who is looking to bring on help for branding so you don't wind up with a uh, David and Blouse Barn scenario? How do you, how can the client uh, communicate their needs and get a fresh new something without it being too much of a departure from themselves. Yeah. I personally think that some of the best brand designers really reflect back to clients, what they, who they are and what they really need. So look for somebody that you can partner with who will push you and ask you the tough questions and make sure that you're not just saying, I need this pretty logo and they're creating a pretty logo and you move forward. I think it really comes down to the strategy. But my number one piece of advice for anyone ready for a professional designer and ready to take the next step and level up wherever they're at, and that could be going from professional designer and leveling up again because your business has evolved, or it could be going from DIY to your first professional designer. The number one piece of advice is to find somebody whose style aligns with your brand and your business. I think that's the most important thing you can do. Do your homework. Find the person who's right and aligns on other places and other levels so that you can have that natural conversation and you're not forcing this design or forcing this partnership with somebody who's just has the title of designer, but isn't the right fit for you. I see that happen so many times where people go to a platform like Fiverr or Upwork, or even just in a networking group and says, I need a designer. I always think as a designer that you need to find the right designer. And that's why I think there's a bad reputation sometimes around freelance designers specifically, not because either party's really doing anything wrong, but they didn't do the homework ahead of that partnership and that relationship. And they just aren't a good match for each other. So the design becomes forced and it's hard to actually get that result that you're looking for simply because they're a designer that specializes in something else. I specialize in lettering and I will say that lettering is not right for all companies. I will say that there's usually a place that lettering might fit in, 
but not all businesses need a hand-lettered logo. Definitely not. And not all businesses need a really clean cut logo that's maybe like a tech company might want something very streamlined and simple. I don't typically work with tech companies because I have a much more organic, friendly, and sometimes even more feminine style. And that is fine. I don't need to work with everyone. I don't need to partner with every business imaginable. I need to focus on who my style is right for. And I think other businesses need to focus on the designer and the person and the partners across all areas of business that are the right fit for their brand and their business. It goes back to being on brand and being on brand across the whole board. You want to find the right person in all of these spots that's really on brand to your mission, your values, and why you exist as a business. How often do you think people should? look at their branding, not for a full rebrand or pivot necessarily, but for a brush up. Is there a rule of thumb on it's been this long, I should probably change shit up? I don't think there really is a rule of thumb per se. It comes back to knowing yourself, knowing where you're at. And I think the biggest points where you'd consider a rebrand or consider refreshing some stuff or just checking in with yourself or when life events happen, when something like a pandemic happens and you might be going through a pivot in your business, if your business is changing, you need to consider changing your branding, especially visually and strategically as well. So that really is more the point than it is a certain period of time. Because if you're rocking and rolling with your business and just having a smooth go at it, which so many businesses do because they figured out what they like to do and they're just keep going with it. That's great. You probably don't have to change things up. But if you start to experience different struggles, like I lost all my clients, I don't know what's happening. Maybe it's time for a rebrand or I'm moving cities. Maybe it's time for a rebrand. I think that's a really big topic that I think about when watching something like Schitt's Creek, even watching the roses go from this giant mansion to this little town and the the shift that happens. If they have the same brand, which I'll argue they kind of do, they stand mm-hmm. out in the city and in, in this town and it doesn't really make a ton of sense. And that same thing happens with businesses when they shift their target focus or their customers or they develop a new offering that's just in a different realm than the normal standard things they had before. So I don't think there's a time period, but it really is, have you had a big life change or a business change that might need to be updated in in all areas of your business, but the brand, the visual, the first touch point potentially for people, that's definitely going to need to see an update so that people don't come in and say, how did you get here? This makes no sense. I thought you would have done this, which maybe at one point they did. And there just becomes a disconnect. So making sure it's really clear and it's really aligned with where you're at now, it all goes back to that confidence. You got to feel good about it. You got to feel like it's lined up and it justifies the work and the quality of work that you're doing. And it reflects that. I love that verb reflects. I think that's put just perfectly. So last week I asked Kelsey, if she were hired as the copywriter for Rose Apothecary, what she would do first. My question for you, Chelsea, is uh, there's a beloved character on the show of Schitt's Creek, which is the sign for the town of Schitt's Creek, um, which if you've seen the first episode, you know, is very uh, seemingly inappropriate from the highway and gives Johnny Rose, who owns the town, a lot of guff. Chelsea, Johnny Rose has just hired you to paint over that godforsaken sign. I know you're not a muralist, but as a visual designer as and someone who specializes in lettering, what will the new Shitstown sign look like? Well, I think as a lettering artist, that makes me immediately go to let's make the lettering look really pretty and nice, but also reflect the actual community in the town. So 
my process for that would be going through and experiencing the town and thinking, is there anything we can pull out that really reflects it and captures it? And obviously what they had previously or currently, so to speak, is not the best representation of them. And I think that there's a lot of room for improvement with having fun with it, but also staying true to the actual town. I think that is an important thing as much as me coming from the city of Chicago would love to make a beautiful sign that would work in the city of Chicago. You have to stay true to the actual town and make it reflect that. So it probably wouldn't be as glamorous as I would hope in a different city, (laughs) but I think I could do a good job of just creating a real focus on the name and writing it in a way that really reflects the community, but doesn't have maybe as many pictures to it or doesn't have a way of, of communicating the big city, but really reflects that small town and and what you expect to get when going through. Because I think a sign's a perfect example of that's a first touch point for their brand as a city and as a town. So seeing that should give you a preview of what's inside. Another perfect answer. I love your ability to explain graphic elements and, and subconscious things so eloquently. Thank you so much for being here today. You've been such a gorgeous guest. If my listeners are doing what I think they're doing, they're trying to figure out how to get in contact with you so they can get you into their brand. What's the best way for listeners to start a conversation with you? Yeah, that's a great question. So the first thing that I can offer in relation to branding, if you feel overwhelmed by all this, like I need help, is actually a free five-day brand challenge that I have. So this can be found on my website, letteringworks.com. And there is a um, pop-up that should come up with that offer. But also, if you don't see that at the bottom, there's a way to enter in your email. It's a five-day email series that will give you all the information you need to know to answer some of these questions, to better understand your own brand and start internally. And honestly, that's the pre-work that's required for working with any designer. If you don't have a really good understanding of yourself and your brand, you're probably approaching a designer a little bit early. I will say they can help you one-on-one with that. But if you can do a little bit of that homework and pre-work yourself, you'll be in a really great position. And then for anyone who feels like they've got a good grasp on their branding, maybe they're ready for a rebrand or would just like to have a continue this conversation, you can go to letteringworks.com backslash contact and reach out to me directly there. Or you can find me on Instagram at letteringworks and send me a message there too. Magnificent. Everybody, I will be back in just a second with my final thoughts and your homework for the week. Well, hey there, listeners. Branding is what people say when you're not in the room. Woof. Did that quote wake anybody else up? Now, I'm not in the habit of quoting Jeff Bezos, a man I think just about as much of as the swindler who embezzled the Rose family fortune in episode one, but damn, that quote is powerful. In my work as a non-sleazy sales trainer, I spend a lot of time getting people around their insecurities. We do a surprising amount of mindset work in between closing techniques, y'all. So by no means am I hoping to cause shame, imposter syndrome, or any embarrassment with this week's homework. In fact, it's the opposite. Because I strongly suspect too many of you listeners have something in your brand and your business that you know just isn't quite up to your standard. 
Like Chelsea said, the business cards you flat out tell strangers not to judge you on when you give them out, even though you know that's an even worse look than the card itself. Maybe it's something visual, your website, your headshot, logo, show art. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's the way you introduce yourself, the way you sell, the way you shy away from asking for referrals. Your homework this week is to eradicate an element of your brand that causes you even the slightest bit of embarrassment. Maybe you outgrew it. Maybe you've loathed it from day one. Maybe your ex's little sister drew your logo on a napkin a decade ago and you somehow feel powerless to change it up. Get rid of it. The history of this piece up to this point does not matter here. Bye-bye. Marie Kondo that crap right out of your life. Think it on the way out if you'd like. Put it in a scrapbook to look back on. But don't drag around a sticky 12-page menu if you don't need to. Imagine how powerful your brand will be without all that dead weight. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. If you struggle to sell because you don't know how to put a price on all that goodness in you and you don't like the way that your competitors do it, I have great news for you. You can find my free challenge, Making Selling Easy Without Getting Sleazy, anytime at www.anniepruggles.com slash easy, not sleazy. Our show is edited and produced by Andrew Sims of Hyperbole. Our fabulous theme tune is by Riley Horbacio, who I found on Fiverr. Our gorgeous podcast art is by Francois Vigneault, who I found on Upwork. And our marketing team is led by the unbelievably life-saving Nick Bonitatibus. Don't forget to check today's show notes for more information about our fabulous guests, plus some continuing resources and some Etsy finds from other super fans of today's topic. All pop culture elements mentioned in this episode remain the sole intellectual property of their respective owners. I do not own them, so please don't sue me.